Welcome to Unity of Tucson. How do you know it's going to be a lovely day? You decide it. You decide it. It's all coming down to decision. Yeah, it's all about decision. How are you going to choose to wake up in the morning? You know, um, in mental muscle, those of you who are in mental muscle, we have a group of magnificent beings who, are, who have been participating. Well, we're about to enter week 16 of mental muscle, and it's the final week. Um, those who have done it in the past, it is a 16-week spiritual boot camp. And I meet with them twice a week, 7 a.m. We're all on Zoom, and they all come in, and I give them directives, and each week after the directive is complete, uh, I give them the directive, and then they go work on it through the week. And then we meet later in the week, and we get some feedback on what's happening, and, and I'm, their, I'm, I'm their drill sergeant in the spiritual boot camp, right? Yeah. There is a week that is devoted to feeling and really exploring feeling and what feeling means. And, and, and one of the things that I start off with is to say, we get to choose our feelings and let our lives be led by the decisions we make. And it is a, it's a turnaround from what many people believe, which is, oh, I have a feeling now. I don't know what to do with it. And it's just like washed over me. And I, I don't know how to address it or make it work in my life or not. And oftentimes, those are the feelings that don't feel so good. You ever have that? You ever wake up on the wrong side of the bed? What if you made the decision when you woke up on the wrong side of, a, of the bed that that is not going to determine the way my day unfolds? What if you made that decision so resolutely and you just said, I'm not waking up on the wrong side of the bed. Today is going to be a lovely day. How might your life unfold differently rather than allowing your feelings to rule you, remembering that you rule your feelings? Last year, well, this year, actually it was this year, we had the benefit of New Year's Day falling on a Sunday. And if you were part of that celebration, you may recall that we did the white stone ceremony. And it is my intention, we're going to, so New Year's Eve falls on a Sunday this year. We will be passing out white stones again this year. We're going to do the white stone ceremony again this year. If you're not familiar with the white stone ceremony, um, there are stones that we order from Jerusalem, and they are these little, um, they are these little, rectangular stones, and we go through a centering, a meditation process, and invite ourselves to set our intention through a word or two for the entire coming year, and then we write that word onto the stone. So we let it be written in stone what is ours to be and to do and to have in the coming year. This stone has been sitting on my desk in front of me all year, right underneath my computer monitor. It sits in front of me. And it is relevant today because it was a decision I made in terms of how I choose to feel. And today is the second, day of Ad, or second Sunday of Advent, and today the theme is peace. What I wrote on my stone last year, or actually I keep saying last year, it was this year, January 1st this year, is everlasting peace. Everlasting peace. I could very easily look to the circumstances of the world and say that that was not accomplished. 
That's a very easy thing for me to do. But what that everlasting peace is a call to is not for me to think that I have to change the world. Although I can. I can because one alone in consciousness with the infinite constitutes a complete majority. If I am fully rooted in knowing my core identity as this divine presence and power, which is what we all are, if I know that so resolutely that my thoughts only land on peace, then I believe wholeheartedly I can shift this world experience. Now, why am I not doing that? That's a good question. I'm starting every single day when I wake up and every moment when I'm sitting in my office and I see that stone in front of me that says everlasting peace, it is a reminder to me, just like the candle, that peace is an inside job and the degree to which I allow my inner peace to inform my thoughts, to inform my experiences, to inform my decisions, to inform every aspect of my being, then right where I am, I am the conduit for infinite peace to shine through. Whoa, pardon me for almost falling over. You can laugh at that. It's a funny moment. So when we talk about the peace candle every week, and you know, here's the thing. I know that there are things we do every single day. People are like, okay, let's just get on to the rest of it. Because we do it every week, right? But my encouragement is that we start looking at the deeper aspects of what the words mean that we are saying. To not go into, you know, the rote recitation of things but to really explore what it means to each and every one of us individually when I say this peace candle is consistently illuminated as a reflection of the consistent illumination of peace in our own hearts. What does that mean to you? What is the deeper context for you? If you are willing to accept that, what does it mean? We celebrate here a common unity. We come together in rooms like this, in spiritual centers like this, to celebrate common unity, to say we've come together with a, with a unique uh, perspective on life that is, that is quite different from many traditional faith traditions. To say, I know who I am, I know who you are, and let's celebrate. Let's not get wrapped up in the mire of thinking that we are less than, because we are not. We are not less than. But the way that we really allow that common unity to inform the experience of life is to deepen in the embodiment of it, to not just have it be rote recitation, to let go of the intellectual idea and deepen into that space of feeling, to deepen embodiment of common unity. I think if we embody common unity, every single one of us in this room, and if you're watching online, if you embody common unity, if we were all to make the decision right here and right now that this is what we are going to do, take a breath. And peace. We have fundamentally shifted the entire experience of the universe just in that one experience. The embodiment of common unity for me is a welcoming of infinite peace in my experience. Would you bring up the quote? I want to read this to you. Some people think they are in community, but they are only in proximity. True community requires commitment and openness. 
It is a willingness to extend yourself to encounter and know the other. Some people think they are in community, but they're only in proximity. True community requires commitment and openness. It is a willingness to extend yourself to encounter and know the other. Here's the thing about that. I agree with this. And true community requires commitment and openness. That's scary, isn't it? To just say, I'm going to lay it all out. I'm going to be open. I'm just going to be open. But that's a commitment that I have made to this community. People often ask me, uh, talk about, you know, I, I, I am a particular character on stage. <laughs> I am probably unlike many ministers that uh, you may have grown up with or are used to, you know, the ones. And so then they said the word of the thing and the dub of the can. Right? I'm different. I get it. But here's the thing about that. I just caught myself, Laura. <laughs> she, she had, so Laura brought up the fact that I say, here's the thing, a lot. And if you're in mental muscle, you know that's one of my catchphrases. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. I know that I'm a particular expression up here. But what I think you experience is that I am the same expression up here that you experience when you're out in the lobby just having a chat with me. That was really important to me in how I chose to be in ministry because I said to myself, I will always be authentically myself. This is actually who I am. My husband, probably, God bless him, because he puts up with it all the time. This is literally who I am. I am a bundle of energy and craziness, and you know, I like to have a good time because what is the point of life if you're not having a good time? So... Being open, it's gone. You don't need to bring it back. It's okay. But true community requires commitment and openness. So I'm choosing to be open as my authentic self from up here. And in that, it is a, that willingness to extend myself is an opportunity to encounter and know the other, what I perceive as the other. Because here's the thing. If you get right down to it, there is no other. There is only the wholeness. So why not have fun? Why not celebrate that? Why not? We all play a role in this cosmic arrangement in demonstrating as common unity. We all play a role in that. This common unity goes beyond our immediate surroundings. It's nice to come in here and feel good on a Sunday. I love it. I, I, this, is, you know, this, is like, this, is, this is the celebration that I get to have after a week of work. And I am so delighted and and there are people in this room who are saying, you should take a Sunday off once in a while. I'm like, why would I do that? Because this is what I love to do. And I will be taking Sundays off next year, a few of them. <laughs> but the point is that I come here, it feels great, and then I walk out the door. What is the choice I'm making in walking out the door in terms of how I'm going to experience the rest of this community, this world? Am I going to drive down the street complaining about all the others that I see? Or am I going to choose love? Am I going to choose a peaceful frame of mind? Am I going to choose those good things? It's all a decision. We are, in, we are each and every one of us an integral component of this universe. The universe could not exist without you. Did you know that? If you were absent from this experience, none of the universe could, ex could, could exist. Think about that. 
We are each and every one of us an integral component of the universe. We are intricately connected and expressing as this infinite creative source. You are necessary to this thing called life, to this thing called expression, to this thing called the infinite. Because if you were separate from the infinite, then the infinite would not be infinite, it would be finite. And so, remembering who you are is remembering that you are wholeness, you are light, you are life, you are love, you are peace, you are magnificent. Are you willing to truly live your magnificence openly and unabashedly? If we want world peace, and I'm going to limit it to the world because I think we can, I think we can create universal peace, but let's just talk about this world for a moment. If we want world peace, it is up to us to actively release anything in mind that is contrary to peace. How are you doing with that? I, it's scary. I have my moments where I still think contrary thoughts. But we are each and every one of us orchestrating a continuous dance of existence. We're part of that infinite orchestration. We are part of that infinite flow. We are part of that. We share an inseparable bond with and as the infinite creative source, with God, as God. That's who and what we are. Just like the sun, the earth, the air, the whole universe, we are intricately woven into the fabric of it all. And we are the decision makers, each and every one of us. What decision are you making? And it doesn't have to be a big decision. No, because there's this thing, I imagine you may have heard about it, the butterfly effect. You know the butterfly effect? The idea that... Uh, a single butterfly flapping its wings on one side of the planet can theoretically start a hurricane on the other side of the planet. We are that powerful, each and every one of us. I'm not saying we should go out and start hurricanes. Let's maybe try not to start hurricanes. But we are multiplicity. We are expressions of wholeness from unity, which is an infinite expression of wholeness. And we are each a unique expression. We are intricately connected to all existence and we take for granted what we think we know. And we don't know what we don't know, but every activity of mind that translates itself into an activity in the action of our lives is an effect unto the entire universe. That's the butterfly effect. We don't necessarily know how our action in this very moment right here today will change the trajectory of another. We don't know that. But if we are willing to lead with kindness, lead with love, and lead with infinite peace in our hearts, imagine the shift this world would experience in making that a profound choice in every single moment. One of my favorite stories about the butterfly effect is the story of a man who, it's funny, a couple of weeks ago I talked about someone who was diagnosed with ALS. I'm going to talk about another person who was diagnosed uh, with ALS, and he made his transition in 2017. It was a man named Chris Rosati. And when he was diagnosed with ALS, he decided that all he was going to do for the remainder of his experience was give back, to give back in ways that were unexpected. And he found himself in a diner once, and in this diner there were these two little girls who were at another table, and he decided to go over there, and he gave them $100, $50 to each, and each of them. 
And his instruction to them was, with this $50, I want each of you to do something kind. I want you to do something kind. And then, you know, he was doing a lot of this stuff, so he forgot about it. He forgot about it. Until he received an email that included pictures from Africa. Here are a couple of the pictures. With people holding signs. I don't know if you can read that. It says, thank you, thanks, thanks a lot for spreading kindness, Chris Rosati. That what those girls had done is they had gone with their father, who had been a part of the Peace Corps, and they donated to a village to help pay for a feast celebrating that village being Ebola free. A man in a diner caused that to happen by deciding on kindness and deciding to say, be kind. What way might you affect or change the world? We, each and every one of us have this power. If it weren't for my interaction, my decision to move away from New York City, where I was trying to be a stage actor, musical theater actor, if it weren't for that decision to move away, to be in the right place at the right time, the right place at the right time, um, in Southern California, to do a community theater production of a show called Blood Brothers. Do you know that show, Blood Brothers? It's a great show. Uh, it's very British. That's why you don't really know about it in the United States. But I, I, I got cast in a show called Blood, Blood Brothers in a community theater production, which ultimately then was transferred and upgraded to a union show um, in another theater. And that led me to engaging with that particular theater company, doing a number of shows, that then took me to another theater in North Hollywood that was called the NoHo Arts Center for New Thought, where I was introduced to this particular philosophy for the first time in my life, continued working with that theater company, but then also realized that my call was a call to ministry, that delving into the ministerial trajectory was an invitation also later on to say yes to going to Guatemala to support children who are living in a boarding school and to give of my time volunteering in the rainforests of Guatemala. Had I not made a decision to move away from New York, then my love and my kindness may not have had that trajectory. You never know where you're going to end up. You never know. World or, un you know, well, universal. We're going to go universal now. Universal peace begins right where each and every one of us is. And we must be willing to take it on ourselves. I love that you quoted Rumi today because you didn't even know that this quote from Rumi was going to show up today. Yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I am changing myself. You don't have to take on trying to change the world. If peace, love, light, life, beauty, joy, if that's what you want to have as a universal experience, change yourself. Be it yourself. That's the call. 
In what way might we begin to live our lives when we deepen our realization that we are wholly interconnected and to start to act in the micro and stop trying to take on the macro? It's in the little things. It's in all the decisions we make moment to moment to moment to moment to moment. That's why oftentimes in meditation, I like to remind myself, I am here. I am here. I am here. The wholeness of me is here, right here, right now. This is how we, each and every one of us, become true peacemakers. Today, on this second Sunday of Advent, I call upon each and every one of us to be peacemakers. Charles Fillmore I went and looked up peace in the revealing word, and right below it was a definition for peacemaker. I thought, that's it. That's what I really want to land on today, to invite us each to be peacemakers. Here's how he defines what a peacemaker is. A peacemaker, according to Charles Fillmore, is one who has the ability to say peace to the turbulent waves of thought and have those thoughts obey one who has the ability to say peace to the turbulent waves of thought and have those thoughts obey. And then he offers this from Matthew. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. That is who and what we are. And it is a decision to live accordingly. So let us choose more loving thoughts. Let us choose more peaceful thoughts. Let us choose more peaceful, active attention and allow that to be reflected in our actions and our deeds. Peace and compassion walk hand in hand, and they are necessities. They are not luxuries. It's not something we should strive for. It is the truth, the innate truth of our wholeness, right where each and every one of us is. I believe this to be I believe this to be the path to the experience of peace. It begins right where I am, right where each and every one of us is, in a thought, in a belief, in an idea, and then the embodiment of that at a feeling level, to understand that we are a unified wholeness. We are one big family. So I invite you now to affirm these words after me. Today, I see every person as an aspect of the one. Today, I see every person as an aspect of the one. I celebrate the diversity of our global family. I celebrate the diversity of our global family. I extend compassion, service, and care. I extend compassion, service, and care. Universal love and peace begin with me. Universal love and peace begin with me. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. The homework today, and for the rest of your life, <laughs> if you are new to our community, um, I give homework as a way of activating the principle because it's great to talk about it, but I encourage us all to be practical in the application of these principles. Um, so the homework today is this. I, some years ago, when I was 
serving as a minister at a community in Toronto, came up with this idea as a year-long idea uh, called SPARK. And it's not a new idea, but SPARK was an acronym that meant this, spiritual practice in acts of random kindness. Spiritual practice in acts of random kindness. And as we spark, we illuminate the world. So I'm inviting each and every one of us to engage being a spark every single day this week and forever. (laughs) Start with the week. If forever feels too much, start with the week. Engage in acts of random kindness. And maybe think beyond just paying for somebody's coffee at Starbucks. (laughs) Think about new and different ways that you can act in a way that is reflective of the kindness in your own heart and engage in that actively this week. That's the homework. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.